Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you <laughs> in Amazing. some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a firearms enthusiast like I am, or you have one in your life, let me tell you about the industry's best kept secret, Bear Creek Arsenal. This is a veteran-owned and operated gun manufacturer, Bear Creek Arsenal, that is, based in Sanford, North Carolina. They make high-quality firearms at an incredible value. Learn more about Bear Creek Arsenal at bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck. Use promo code buck to get 10% off your first order. One more time, bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck and promo code buck to get 10% off your first order. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Yes, America's Anchorman is away, and this is your undocumented Anchorman, Mark Stein. No supporting paperwork whatsoever, because let's face it, uh, nobody cares anymore. Unless you're applying for the payroll protection program or your $1,200 check hasn't come yet, you don't need paperwork anymore. The age of paperwork is over, even in the Republic of Paperwork. You know how this works. Uh, I I come on here and I say Russia's going to be back. And then the next day, still not back. And then Wednesday's supposed to be back. And everyone's mad at me for uh, saying he was supposed to be back a couple of days before that. And then by Thursday, I'm the most hated guy in the country for having said Rush is going to be back. You know how this works. Uh, he's got doctors in his life right now, and uh, doctors, particularly at this time, actually, uh, if it's non-COVID related, uh, doctors are suddenly mysteriously available. Because if you've got anything else, all their business has disappeared because people said the hospitals would be overwhelmed. Uh, but at any rate, Rush uh, has uh, sometimes has to see his docs, and sometimes they want to see him between noon and 3 Eastern, and he can't be here. But on the other hand, he might get out of the appointment early and uh, bust in here and wrestle the microphone away from me and be back on air, and all will be hunky-dory and back to normal. So you never know. Uh, but you, we do guarantee you will have some authentic, full-strength, all-American, American-as-apple-pie-excellence in broadcasting uh, before the week is out, and actually for the preponderance of the week, too. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm here, my hair's white, my beard's down to my navel. I'm wearing a clip-on tie, clipped it to the end of my beard. It's wrestling on my resting on my uh, non-essential bootleg 
boxer shorts handmade by diseased Italians and smuggled into the country. The whole, the whole world uh, is in a very different uh, state than it was a few weeks ago. I forget what week of lockdown this is. Uh, New Zealand actually says it's beaten the virus, and so they're downgrading from level four lockdown to level three. In Spain, little children are permitted to go outside for the first time in uh, six weeks. They're allowed to be outside for an hour a day. And here, the question is whether, when we are going to switch the light back on, as they keep saying on the American economy, I think that I think that light bulb will be gone. But it's important, though, as Dr. Burks was saying, the social distancing rules are going to uh, remain in effect for months now. Uh, it's important to maintain social distancing. Kim Jong-un is maintaining social distancing, but he's uh, doing it vertically. So he's the requisite six feet under from the rest of his cabinet. And that seems to be working from him. Uh, for him, Kim Jong-un uh, socially distancing himself. Very far. Before we get any further, I want to say this. We're going to do a couple of... We can't... Just because uh, America is on lockdown, uh, you can't keep everything else on lockdown. So I want to, in the course of the day, show uh, at least touch on a couple of the other topics, like uh, Joe Biden touching on certain female staffers, which nobody, nobody he has given an interview to has yet raised that subject with him incredible it's almost like it's part of the deal and actually none of his prospective vice presidential candidates all these believe women women none of them uh have had a question about these very credible allegations at least by the standards of the day these very credible allegations no of these uh feminist interviewers None of these progressive uh, television networks have yet put a question to Joe. So we, we might uh, touch on uh, Joe Biden during the rest of the show. Also, General Flynn, I've always said about uh, American, quote unquote, justice, that the process is the punishment. Uh, so uh, Michael Flynn, we're now told, I think it's Maria Bartiromo on Fox Business, has said that she has it on good authority that he is going to be completely exonerated. This week, we don't know that. You never know what a judge is going to say until a judge actually says it. Um, but we might talk about the uh, the General Flynn case, the travesty of the General Flynn case, uh, because you can't just have this lockdown put everything else on lockdown too. Lockdown wise, you know, I look at it this way. Uh, I've got kind of priorities of issues. The first issue is, does Western civilization still have a survival instinct? I think actually the jury's out on that in our reaction to this. Uh, and that's manifested by my second concern, that I don't want China to come out of this in an even more powerful position. Because we all know now what's been going on uh, while we were sleeping. While we were buying cheap Chinese crap at Walmart uh, and congratulating ourselves on getting a These Colors Don't Run t-shirt uh, that's made uh, in some uh, in some slave labor sweatshop behind the Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, for a couple of bucks less than it would cost if it were made in America. Uh, we've all congratulated ourselves that that's a win-win system for everybody. If we just go uh, back to that as if nothing's happened, this will be the end of the world, basically, short shortcut answer there the end of the world so china china has to pay a price for this and again the evidence the evidence for the will 
of uh, important persons in the United States and around the rest of the world in uh, in punishing China for what it's done is not in, encouraging. Then we have the the so-called home front. You know, the, the uh, Chamber of Commerce right got it as wrong on China as you could get. My my line on this for a long time has been very simple that. The idea was that by giving China a piece of the global economy, in fact, enabling China to become uh, the world's first economically viable form of communism and, uh, in fact, the global economic power, uh, that if we did that, uh, China would become more like us. Instead, we're becoming more like China on everything that matters, on freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of movement. Uh, I saw an item, a small item in the paper today that uh, China is going to be supplying drones to, uh, I believe, 22 states in the U.S. and to all kinds of other jurisdictions, because, of course, China is the leader in, uh, in, in surveillance of its citizenry. And so if you want a drone that can surveil the citizenry to make sure they're uh, obeying lockdown, uh, then where would you go but China? Uh, as the Connecticut governor uh, was proposing, uh, Con- oh, no, Connecticut Police Department was proposing to have drones tracking its citizens will soon have a drone per citizen because they're cheap to make and they'll be able to follow us everywhere checking that we're observing the the uh the lockdown uh the lockdown uh regulations and and where they're going to go and then we get to the lockdown itself um and and here's my problem with it uh, it was understood when these were introduced italy was the first to do it that you could only do these for a very short period of time, because otherwise people would chafe and they would get restless and they would be discontented and then you'd have a big social tranquility problem on your hand. So we were told that they were going to be introduced for a couple of weeks just to flatten the curve. The flat, the curve got flattened. The curve got flattened and uh, the lockdown hasn't gone away. So, so, like, you should always have a plan A. Plan A was two weeks of lockdown. Plan B... Uh, turns out to have been a month of lockdown. Plan C is two months of lockdown, and Plan D is four months of lockdown. And I pass. I'm sorry, but you've had plenty of time now to come up with something else, and there ought to be a something else. There's actually no... People say follow the science. There's no science uh, for the six-feet-two-meter thing. That's actually something that just got arbitrarily plucked out in the air and that people could sort of work that out for themselves. Uh, The virus, we're told, uh, actually can operate within 13 feet. We're told that it actually, there's a big story in uh, Canada's National Post today that says it can be spread by building ventilation. So the the social distancing measurement isn't going to do anything about that if it's actually in the air conditioning of buildings like in this one in South Korea where everyone on one side of the building got infected and nobody on the other side. So we've had months now for people to actually look at these, look at this thing and say, uh, and come up with an alternative to plan A, B, C, D for two weeks, one month, two months, four months, a year and a half of social lockdown. And we're no nearer. Dr. Burks, rather coyly uh, on the Sunday shows, was saying we need some kind of an innovative breakthrough, which is, I think, a polite way of saying 
that after having those frauds at the WHO and their useless twits at the CDC and all the other people looking at this thing now for months, they actually haven't got a clue about anything. So in the meantime, they're coming up with a this lockdown doesn't withstand scientific scrutiny. We're told there's another story I'll get to today about a, uh, a bespoke tailor in Manhattan who, in defiance of the laws, has opened up. Uh, because he sells fancy suits, he sells $200 ties, he sells $80 pocket handkerchiefs, and he doesn't see on what basis uh, he's a threat to public health and he can't open. Because you've got Walmarts open. Walmart is mostly uh, retail. It's got a little bit of grocery and a little bit of pharmacy. But most of the stuff in uh, Walmart is completely non-essential. But apparently Walmart can sell uh, their $15 ties and this guy in Manhattan uh, can't sell his $200 ties. There's no science behind that. There's no, uh, there's no uh, great public safety principle behind that. Uh, sooner or later, in the American way, all these things are going to come before the courts, and the courts are not going to look favorably on what have been arbitrary judgments made by governors that are, are in place for two weeks, one month, two months, on and on. Uh, So unless you've got a genuine plan B, if plan B is just adding another month to the lockdown, you need an alternative plan B. Mark Stein, Farosh, 1-800-282-2882. Any aspect of this, lockdown, disease, China, whatever it is, give me a call. 1-800-282-2882. Uh, Mark Stein, for Rush, 1-800-282-2882. We'll talk about any aspect of this thing you want to talk about. also want to get to a little bit of Joe Biden and uh, General Flynn because uh, life does kind of just about go on during this. Mayor de Blasio, this is the guy in New York, uh, which is basically, if New York City were a country, it would be number six on the most uh, deaths from the coronavirus. It's pretty much, it's pretty extraordinary. Um, the greater New York area has just a little under the size of the population of Sweden, where Sweden's had no lockdowns at all. Life goes on in Sweden. It's the only outpost of the Western world where normal life goes on. Uh, and uh, they've had, uh, I think it's something like 800 deaths, whereas um, uh, Mayor de Blasio's city, as I said, if it were a country, it would be sixth uh, on the list of most uh, COVID deaths. But uh, he's not bothered about that. He's put his wife uh, on the Shirlene McRae. um, He's put his wife on the task force to head the Coronavirus Racial Inequality Task Force. The Coronavirus Racial Inequality Task Force. He's appointed his wife to this. New York is where, as you saw at the end of last week, Andrew Cuomo breezily uh, flipped the bird to so-called non-essential workers who wanted to go back to running their businesses. He said, no, you're not essential. You don't get to go to work. You don't get self-worth. You don't get human dignity. You worked hard building up your business, and now it's dead because your business is non-essential. Who says it's non-essential? I, Commissar Cuomo, have decreed that it's non-essential. So you're non-essential, Fred Smith. But on the other hand, uh, Mayor de Blasio's missus is completely essential. 
which is why she's been appointed to head the Coronavirus Racial Inequality Task Force. Um, Even if you think that we need a, a, a racial inequality task force on the coronavirus, there's no point putting a professional grievance monger on it. That's actually the last thing you need. Uh, again, as I said, we're getting more. China's not getting like us. We're getting more like China. So we can't actually say things anymore uh, on anything interesting uh, because everyone uh, gets their knickers in a twist about it. And that's particularly true when it comes to the variable impact of this disease on people. Um, so it is true that in, in uh, Detroit, for example, 75 percent of the people stricken with this thing, 75 percent of the deaths... <laughs> Uh, are uh, are African American in in Wales? I saw uh, a quarter of the deaths are what they call B A M E, which means uh, Black Asian, which in the Welsh context means basically Indian Hindus and Pakistani Muslims and my minority ethnic. And where the whole point about identity politics is, you can't talk honestly about any of this stuff and why it affects some people and why it affects. Others. Uh, I saw Trevor Phillips, who's a big, um, who who was basically head of the Racial Equality Commission or something uh, over in the UK, and he's actually done a rather interesting study because he's black and can get away with it on why uh, the coronavirus has killed tons of blacks, um, but it hasn't killed Muslims, and he he's actually addressed some of the reality of that. Like for example, when you're talking about Muslims. Half the women, half the population, i.e. the women, are already self-isolating anyway. They're at home, and if they do uh, ever leave the house, they're masked from head to toe. And then uh, Muslims wash their hands ritually five times a day for prayers. So all the things, it's we're now at the stage, actually, where we should be talking about things like this. Instead of saying, we're going to have to live with this uh, for the next two, three years, uh, they've been they've been saying, you know, it's going to come back in the fall. And so then it'll be with us till next year. So maybe we'll think about lifting some of these restrictions in the fall of 2021. If we ever actually did get to that, they'd be telling us about the fall of 2025 or the spring of 2028 or whatever. Um, and so I'd rather there was a plan B. I'd rather we actually looked at, at some of this stuff uh, and learned about it in serious in serious ways. For example, uh, even in Florida, Florida, they're saying some sports can come back, but not movies. There's no actual evidence of this being spread by movie theaters, uh, because there's not a lot. Unlike uh, some of the evidence to date shows, for example, that things like singing, there was that choir in Oregon, where they all stood the socially distanced two meters apart, which is entirely arbitrary, and they sang. And just in singing, you're projecting more COVID germs out to anybody. Uh, Just in laughing uproariously. So why are the movie theaters being closed? There's no laughing uproariously because Hollywood comedies are leaden and totally unfunny now. So it's just CGI battle scenes and lousy chick flicks. So nobody's being uproarious in a movie theater in that way. And there's no evidence that being in a movie theater actually has ever had one of these super spreads of these things. After all, all I'm saying is that 
We've got the biggest, bloated, most overpaid, lousy, stinking bureaucracy in the world. What's it been doing the last three months? We've got institutions that are supposedly dedicated to this thing, like that stupid, rotten, corrupt CDC. Why don't we know more things like this? It might actually be okay to go and see some depressing chick flick where nobody laughs uproariously. That actually, why should that be closed up? Why should that be at an end? We need. We should know much more. We've had overpaid experts sitting on this thing, looking at this thing for three months now, and they've got. And basically, Fauci and Doctor. I like Doctor Burks's scarves. Maybe we could have a factory where non-essential workers can go and make more attractive scarves for Doctor Burks, and we Burks, and we might get a semblance of an economy back just from making scarves for Dr. Burks. But why don't we know more? They've been on this thing for three months, and there are still no reliable specifics about this lousy disease. Hey, great to be with you. Don't forget, if you do not want to be discombobulated by any sinister foreign guest host, you can always go to RushLimbaugh.com, and you'll see the button there that says uh, Rush 24-7. Click on that, become a subscriber. It means what it says. You get Rush 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year in whatever form you so desire him. You can listen to the radio show at any hour of the day. You got all the transcripts. You got the ditto gam so you can see him in gleaming vision. He's held up a lot better than uh, than I have. As I said, I gone to, I gone to hell. My hair's white, got my beard down to my navel. It's not a pretty sight. Fortunately, they don't have the ditto cams for the guest host, but they do on Rush 24-7. All you've got to do is go to uh, RushLimbaugh.com, click on Rush 24-7, and uh, sign yourself up. Uh, while we're at it, um, uh, we're going to do the thing that we've been doing the last few weeks here. If you want to send a Rush your prayers on air, you can just say uh, mega prayers for Rush, as we, as I believe a listener came up with when I was on the air here uh, a few weeks back, and I know he appreciates that. And then you can also actually do that via the uh, website too. It's above the menu bar. It's above where it says the Rush Limbaugh Show. It's like third button along, and you click on that, and you can send your message to Rush too. Um, Karma Cool didn't like He was a tweeter. He didn't like what uh, I said about if Walmart can be open. Why can't this tailor? I should give you the name of this tailor. He's a guy called... Uh, Elliot Rabin, who runs an Upper East Side boutique, and he's now defying the state by opening up his business. You can buy suits, fancy suits and ties and shirts and all the rest of it in there. And his, and, but here's the point I was making. Uh, Carmichael said, newsflash, Mark, Walmart sells baby formula. Yeah, baby formula made in China. Diapers. Oh, yeah, diapers made in China. Adult diapers made in China. All OTC meds made in China. Topical meds. What are topical meds uh, made in China? Pet food made in China. Pet meds made in China. Groceries made God knows where. Um <laughs> And this $200 tie store in New York does not. Yeah, and, and Walmart also sends, said, sells clothing. And the state allows Walmart to sell that clothing, but the state does not allow this Upper East Side boutique in Manhattan, Peter Elliott, to sell clothing. Uh, what's, what actu- how did we actually come to a situation? There's no scientific basis for this 
distinction between essential workers and non-essential workers. So that non so that trousers made by the uh, child labor sweatshop behind the Wuhan Institute of Virology and on sale for six bucks. Those trousers are essential, uh, but if you get some bespoke trousers from this guy, Elliot Rabin, and his uh, Upper East Side boutique, Peter Elliot, those trousers are non-essential. In what, in what, in what world, what is, the, uh, what is the legal doctrine? What is the statute law? What is the common law doctrine uh, on which uh, one man's trousers are essential and the other man's trousers are non-essential. It's, this is entirely arbitrary. And by the way, that is, that is the, an essential ingredient uh, of, uh, 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 of, of tyranny, that all tyranny is capricious. All tyranny is arbitrary. I said this years ago and some nice young lady during Friday's Anzac Day celebrations, observances in New Zealand... Anzac Day is like uh, Veterans Day, Memorial Day down in New Zealand. And she was kind enough to quote that line of mine, that all tyranny is capricious. It's arbitrary. So, uh, so Walmart's trousers are essential. And this poor guy in New York, his trousers are non-essential. They, there's been you can't you could get away with that if it was just for 10 days. But but the, the longer this goes on and I and it comes back to what I was saying. Why do we know no more specifics. Let's just, let's just, Rush got into trouble for saying that the Chinese had weaponized this virus, okay? Uh, and everyone was uh, honored him for saying that. Let's suppose, just for the sake of it, let's suppose that this disease is actually entirely natural and the Chinese had no idea that it was coming along. Everything they did once they knew of its existence was, however, intentional. They they prevented people from Wuhan traveling anywhere else in China. So they quarantined Wuhan from the rest of China, but they let them fly all around the world. And it's now in basically every country on the planet. Um, according to the official statistics, it's 225. There's only 200 countries. The rest are like uh, dependent territories or colonies, as us old school imperialists say. So it's everywhere except a few Pacific islands. What's fascinating to me, though, is that uh, just three countries account for half of all the 200,000 deaths. America, Spain and Italy. Three countries account for half the deaths. Another three countries account for another quarter of the deaths. Uh, That would be uh, France, the UK and Belgium, of all places. So just six nations out of... Uh, out of 200 account for all out of 226 countries and territories just six account for 75 percent of the deaths and the other 220 make up all the rest in other words if to take Russia's line if China was going to weaponize a virus um they have managed to target their principal economic rivals, i.e. the United States and Europe. Belgium isn't a big deal, but Brussels is the capital of the European Union. So they have managed to actually lock down their... They've managed to very precisely target uh, their, their particular uh, economic rivals, including in America, uh, New York, the financial capital, 
rather than, say, Idaho or Montana. In the United Kingdom, London, the financial capital, rather than Northern Ireland or the Scottish Highlands. And in Belgium, uh, they've, uh, in, in Italy, they've targeted Northern Italy, which is the industrial heart of the country, and it hasn't really spread to Southern Italy. This is, a, this is not the normal distribution pattern of a global pandemic. It's very bizarre, and the fact that it's so bizarre means we should be able to talk honestly about what's going on here. For one thing, if you're a liberal, all the things you're in favor of cause the spread of the virus, like reusable shopping bags or mass transit. You take California, you take New York. They're both two coastal states full of crazy, whack-job, nutso liberals. So demographically, their profile is not so different. They're both sanctuary states. They both got a zillion illegal immigrants. They both give benefits to illegal immigrants. They both got identity politics up the wazoo. But in, uh, in, in Los Angeles, they benefit from having had a, uh, a construction pattern in the 20th century that favored um, uh, uh, tract housing, uh, subdivision, San Fernando Valley, uh, four-bedroom homes um, uh, on nice lots, uh, no mass transit. You drive your car everywhere. And it, in New York, uh, you, you have people crammed into apartments. You, you have uh, the subway. Which one gets clobbered by the coronavirus? Which one doesn't? We should actually be able, if we're all going to be in lockdown forever, we should actually be able to discuss the differences the, the, uh, in distribution between these things. For example, in Florida, they're, they're allowing sports events. Um, if you look at uh, my a, fr- a friend of mine, actually he's not really a friend. I don't like him at all. He was my editor and he screwed me over big time on, a, on the worst edits I ever have. But uh, he now, uh, he's a Canadian guy, Jonathan Kay. He's done this piece for Quillette looking at actually the big super spreader events. So, for example, if you go to a sports event um, and you sing the national anthem, uh, and so all the droplets are being projected far more than if you're just sitting politely, uh, that that in itself is more of a super spreader at these uh, super spreader events than other things. In, in other words, if you go to a if you like a, a sport where everybody cheers and roars. Like uh, hockey, for example, everyone, whoa, 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 it's all yelling, baying, the noise never abates in the stadium. That's a much bigger event for super spreading than, say, a cricket match where everybody uh, claps politely and then goes into the tea pavilion. And we're not, we have now a three month record on this thing, four months. Why, why are we still talking in the same half-wit generalities that we were two months ago? This is why these uh, White House press conferences have gone nowhere. Because Burks and Fauci, well, we need to listen to the scientists. Burks and Fauci actually don't have much new to say, considering they're on TV for two hours every night. It's ridiculous. Mark Stein for Rush will take your call straight ahead. Hey, this is Mark Stein in for Rush on America's number one radio show. Thrilled and delighted and honored to be here, uh, notwithstanding uh, 
the Trump immigration ban. They haven't got they haven't found some of us yet in pockets of the hills. Some of us are still lying low and defying deportation. Let us go to uh, actually I don't have the, the name here, Mr. Snurdly. Who is the caller in Eugene, Oregon? It can't be Eugene from who Billy. Ginny, Jenny, Ginny, Jenny. Uh, let's go to Ginny or Jenny in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, you're live on the Rush Limbaugh show. Hi, Mark. Um, I am a. I was a lifelong Democrat until Trump ran for president. Oh, right. And then I became a, a Republican, and so I'm a recovering liberal. I guess you would call me. <laughs> in so part of. So of, just just uh, just <laughs> just let me clarify. Just let me clarify that. So you were a Democrat. You voted for Obama. You're one of these people who switched from Obama uh, to vote Trump in 2016. Are you? We yeah. As soon as he announced his candidacy, I was in. He okay. Was my guy. Great. Good. So good. I'm- good. And you've stuck with him, and you're and you're still looking to uh, re-elect him in November as well. You're you're uh, you're you're happy with the way things turned out with your 2016 vote. Absolutely, I love him. I okay. Love him. <laughs> and <laughs> he'll be glad to he'll be glad to hear that. This is a bit of a lonely job at the moment, uh, actually. If you're in if you're in his situation, you got this 24 hours a day. Um, you, it's a, it's a, it's a stressful job and something like this doesn't make it any uh, easier, Jenny. But what, what else is on your mind today? Well, uh, prayers for Rush, absolutely. Okay. And absolutely. I'm a new listener, so this is new to me, but <laughs> I'm really upset with our politicians, like our governors and, um, Basically, the the likes of Pelosi and Cuomo, who get all the the TV time and airtime and and time that people that like you get to make fun of, um, they basically think that we're idiots and we can't take care of ourselves. I am I'm tired of feeling like I don't know what to do. They're, they, I feel like they're trying to dictate my life and that I am a child and I can't make decisions for my own. And I believe that we have enough information out there now that people can make their own decisions and go do whatever they want to do. And, you know, stay home if you're scared and go out and have fun in the sun if you're happy. Because well, you know, we don't that, we don't get sun in Oregon very much, very often and. <laughs> Hey, but tell the Oregonians go outside. <laughs> tell me about it, Jenny. I'm a I'm a Canadian who lives in northern New Hampshire. You know, so our summer is like three weeks, and I don't want to be told yeah. by the government that I got to be staying inside for that. The the point you make that's why they're treating us like children. That's why they call it the nanny state. Because the nanny state uh, assumes that government is the nanny and you're the child in the nursery. And they let you play with your toys, but you've got to do what nanny says. The trouble here is, even if you uh, accept the virtues of nanny statism, you mentioned Andrew Cuomo. He's a very good example. 
he goes on TV. He plays a he plays a pretty good nanny state on TV. He's talking about this, talking about that. The minute the minute he goes off TV, you're left with the same dysfunctional garbage of New York State bureaucracy. There are people who still haven't been able. They've been out of work now for six weeks. They still can't get through to his lousy Department of Labor because it's packed up. It's totally dysfunctional. Nobody answers the phone. They can't get through on the website. Uh, so you've got a you've got a nanny state. We we're right now living under nanny statism that is all statism and no nanny. So they tell you what to do, and you think, okay, so right, I'm just the helpless child, and you're the big benevolent na- nanny. So come on, where's all the nanny goodies? Where's the twelve hundred dollar check? Where's why am I trying? Why am I still trying to get into the payroll protection program uh, while the Ritz Carlton hotels have got fifty nine million dollars? out of it. So we have a particularly we have a particularly evil system right now, Jenny, because we've got nanny statism that's all statism and no nanny. So we've got a nanny state where the nanny is this like uh, psychotic uh, she-wolf in a uh, steel-tipped camisole taking the cat of nine tails to us all day long. Uh, and you've had people who've been out of work now for months because the government has said you're non-essential and they haven't been able to get basic uh, unemployment benefits. So it's the worst of all worlds. And it ought to be teaching people that uh, a nanny state that is totally dysfunctional is worth nothing at all. Instead, I'm kind of worried that maybe some of your neighbors, Jenny, particularly in the Pacific Northwest, are thinking, gee, wouldn't it be wonderful to have big government like this all the year, all the year round? I mean, do you sense, as a recovering liberal that your liberal neighbours are thinking, what the hell is going I'm sitting here, I'm broke, and some multimillionaire governor on TV is telling me I should be grateful for a $600 check I haven't received yet. Are, are, are Oregon liberals starting to change about this? I don't know, because I really don't talk to Oregon liberals. I'm afraid I'm going to get clobbered. Because I'm such a rabid Trump fan, you know, I gotta hide all my paraphernalia. Yeah, yeah, and, no, no, that's right. And I, and I, I don't want to lose any more friends and family than I have. But no, it's, no, uh, it's it's um, it's good that, to see families going out, riding bikes, going to the park. So when yeah. the sun is out, Oregonians go out, and then that's when I think, okay, maybe there's some hope here. Because little bit of life, yeah. Little little bit of life in even liberal Oregonians. Thank you for your call, Jenny. We've got to run. Uh, we've got a, a shameless EIB profit timeout that we desperately need to take in these straightened times. Lots more still to come. Lockdown Monday on America's number one radio show. Mark Stein in for Rush. We have lots more straight ahead. Yes, America's Anchorman is away, and this is your EIB anchor baby, Mark Stein, thrilled and honored uh, to be here. This is usually the point where I say, we're at Ice Station EIB, and uh, Mike is down in New York, and Mr. Snurdly is keeping an eye on things in Florida, but that if you're fleeing the country... Uh, do swing by and say hello. You can't miss me. There's a big sign on the highway saying uh, last rush guest host before the border. But it doesn't really work right now because the border is closed. All borders are apparently closed, although in certain circumstances it doesn't actually 
seem to be clear that that is actually what's happening. Uh, there was some guy I saw a protester on the streets uh, somewhere in northern England, and and he was saying uh, house arrest uh, for citizens, open borders for everyone else. So some of the borders aren't quite as closed as as they should be. Uh, the lockdown. Uh, there's now differences emerging on on the lockdown thing. And one of the developments in recent days has been that there will be no Trump press conference. In fact, no White House press conference at all. Uh, Rush actually was ahead of the game on this because he said he was this must be going back uh, maybe three or four weeks now. But I remember just uh, hearing Rush say he was he was worried about these press press conferences. He was disturbed about them. Um, and at a time when I was quite enjoying them, because basically, I don't even know who, I know who Brian Stelter is. I don't really know who any of the other people in the room are with him. They've got these people in this sitting a couple of seats apart. And uh, I recognized one of the BBC guys, and I think one of the Australian guys in there. But otherwise, I think they're, the, they're people from NBC and CBS. Well, I have no idea who they are. No interest in them. Uh, I've I've tried. I think they're all actually many fascinating aspects of this thing that you could ask questions about. But instead, we've been watching Trump punching down with these gotcha things. You know, they're trying to do the gotcha question. And and he basically, uh, as it's coming in, he takes a flying swat at it and bats it. Uh, outside the White House and across the Potomac, and it lands somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, and that's been fun to watch. But it's been comp- it's been fun to watch if you if you want to watch Trump crush Brian Stelter like a bug uh, every night. But once in a while, one of these stupid gotcha questions is going to get through, and it's going to lead to all these complications. As Trump, uh, as Rush was talking about on Friday, you know, now the average person somehow thinks that. Uh, that Trump's cure, all-purpose cure for this thing is to chug back a gallon of Drano or whatever. So we're not having any more of these things. What I'd love is to just have, and almost any people would be more interesting than Brian Stelter and these other nincompoops he allows in there. I have no idea why. But almost anyone who would who could ask some interesting questions, as I've done my best to raise, because no one knows anything. The last time I was here, a couple of weeks ago, we had a caller. Uh, I asked him why he thought there were such huge differences between Italian and German death rates, and he thought it was because Italians uh, smoked more than Germans. And that seemed a valid thing. A lot of governments were saying, if you smoke, that's an underlying condition, you're more at risk. Now smoking, it turns out, may be the best thing ever for the coronavirus. In France, they're putting nicotine patches Nicotine patches on on corona patients. Having a couple of packs of camel a day may be your best defense against COVID-19. No one knows nothing, which is weird after after three months. So we've had three months where we know virtually nothing more for certain about the disease. But meanwhile, we're all getting used uh, to being under house arrest and being told that we can't go to our jobs because someone... Someone deep in Commissar Cuomo's bureaucracy has deemed you to be non-essential. It's, uh, it's George Orwell Animal Farm Territory. All, all animals are non-essential, but some animals are less non-essential than others. This is very, it's, it, it's the softening up for totalitarianism. The acceptance, essentially, of, you know, 
Now we're living with, and again, I if they wouldn't if they're not were actually on the payroll of China, then they're, they've certainly digested the ideology wholeheartedly. Oh well, China did a terrific job quarantining everyone in Wuhan. So as long as we uh, adopt Chinese methods restricting freedom of movement, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, because if you go to a church, we'll surveil you and ticket you, and uh, we're getting more. China's not getting more like us we're we're getting more like them good good example of how the left always keeps an eye on the big picture this is one of my favorite stories new york Times. now here's the most basic thing about all this uh disease coronavirus wuhan flu whatever you want to call it as long as it's got something chinese in there that's good uh chinese coronavirus wuhan flu uh politburo covid19 uh, one thing we can say for certain is it affects far more men than women. Uh, so, for example, at Cedars-Sinai in Los Angeles in uh, the ICU, uh, 75% of the patients on ventilators are men. Kills tons of men, doesn't kill that many women. So what is the cure for that? Because doctors can't figure out why this is happening. Women, whether from China, this is from the New York Times, women, whether from China, Italy, or the U.S., have been less likely to become acutely ill and far more likely to survive, which has made doctors wonder, could hormones produced in greater quantities by women be at work? Last week, doctors on Long Island started treating COVID-19 patients with estrogen in an effort to increase their immune systems. And next week, physicians in Los Angeles will start treating male patients with another hormone predominantly found in women, progesterone. So now they are getting estrogen. You know estrogen isn't a good uh, Rush Limbaugh show word. It's the word Rush has used almost since this show started to apply to Susan Estrich of Clinton-era fame. Uh, he's always called uh, Susan Estrich, Susan Estrogen. That's how you know it's a word to be wary of. Uh, and so they are now going to tr- treat men with estrogen and progesterone in hopes of finding the magic bullet uh, that will enable uh, men to get closer to female levels of survival rate. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, you'd think there'd be something else, Mr. Snurdy, but they're wedding to pumping you full of estrogen. Both hormones are believed to be safe. Particip- participants will be warned of possible side effects that will be a first for many men, like tenderness in the breast. And hot flashes. So this is just like everything else in the last 30 years. They're going to use it to turn men into women. So you'll go along. You say, oh, I've got a, bit of a, got a bit of a cough and a touch of fever. I thought I might have come down with the old COVID-19. And they'll say, just step behind the screens and uh, we're going to give you a shot full of estrogens, estrogen. And then the nurse practitioner will help you pick out your training bar. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Uh, it's going to turning turning men into women turns out to be the official cure for COVID nineteen. That's this story in the New York. That's this story in the New York Times. I said I was going to. I said I wanted to uh, uh, catch up on a couple of other stories in the news. Joe Biden 
This is ex- this is extraordinary. Joe Biden. There's credible evidence from from this woman uh, that he. Uh, I'm not sure what, quite what the nice way to uh, put this is, but that he he uh, he used his hand highly inappropriately with her uh, going back in the early 90s. And you may say the early 90s is a long time ago. Uh, but with the Kavanaugh thing, it was the early 80s. He was a high school student. Joe Biden did this when he was a senator. In other words, the power imbalance comes into play. Uh, that's that's one of the problems there. Yet no interviewer has asked Joe Biden or any of his potential running mates. So it turns out that believe all women is just the usual crock. It's just the usual thing where... Believe all women accusing Republicans and cover it up if you're a Democrat uh, and, uh, and, and you get the media just to, just to hide it for you. And I don't know how much longer. One of the great benefits of this uh, wretched virus has been that it's been the final nail in the coffin of print newspapers uh, there's, a, there's a story out saying that many newspapers are going to be closing in the next few weeks because four out of five of them uh, are ineligible for this payroll protection plan thing. So they've been laying off uh, so-called journalists and, and all the rest. And good riddance to all of them. We're now watching actually uh, something totally evil going along. They were prepared to, they were prepared to publish anything on Kavanaugh. That Avenatti story where Kavanaugh turned out to be the leader of some uh, gang, gang rape cabal that was uh, going around suburban Maryland slipping drugs into people's drinks. That was a complete rubbish story, and the guy who sold it to the mainstream media, Avenatti, wound up going to jail. He's now out for jail, out of jail, because God forbid the poor fellow should catch uh, COVID-19 uh, while he's in there. So he's been sprung from jail. So where they would print anything then. Now we have had credible things to the point where, at the time, this young lady's mother called into Larry King live, back in the days when Larry King was still live. Uh, in the early 90s on CNN, he called in, uh, the mother called into Larry King, and that episode has mysteriously gone missing from the Google Play archive or whatever, or whatever it is. So CNN... CNN in its archive has corroborating evidence of the Joe Biden story, yet still no one will bring it up. You're about to elect. You're about to elect a sex predator with dementia as your candidate, as your candidate. That's what and they're going to do their best to drag. He doesn't even remember. He remembers nothing. He remembers nothing. He's he's living somewhere when he was a lifeguard and his leg hairs would spontaneously rise and stand on end when the little children like to come and play with his leg hairs when he was talking about it. That's that's where Joe Biden's mind is. Joe Biden's mind is back when he called that gang leader. He got he got out the rusted uh, he got out the rusted razor blade. He ran it under the rain barrel to get it even rustier. And he went and called that gang leader uh, Esther Williams. That's the the guy. That's the guy. Yeah, Corn Pop. Corn Pop. He was calling Corn Pop Esther Williams. That's where Joe Biden lives. His his leg hair that so many children like to play with. We've actually got something that doesn't make it look like he's just strange and creepy, but that he's actually a fairly convinced, a fairly conventional sex predator 
and none of these people will ask him about it. You know, at some point, you can't suspend everything because they figure, just as they figured, uh, they couldn't find a candidate who could beat Trump, so they thought, we'll, we'll go for impeachment. And then, uh, in effect, our candidate will be I impeachment and he'll take out Trump. And I impeachment nosedived into the briny. So now they've come out with uh, they're running on Corona. If they can just keep Joe Biden in the basement talking to himself, if they can just keep his accusers off the air, then Corona will take out Trump. That's the politics. That's the politics of this thing. Uh, And we'll talk some more about some of these other stories uh, uh, as well as they come on through the show. Uh, 1-800-282-2882. We'll take your calls straight ahead. Hey, it's America's number one radio show. Mark Stein sitting in for Rush. Let us go to El Paso in Texas. Jason, you're live on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. Great to have you with us. Oh, hi. How's it going? Hey, it's going good for me. How's it going for you in El Paso? It's going pretty good. Just extremely hot, but I'll get <laughs> well, to the point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. It's not extremely hot here. We had seven inches of snow on the Cancamagas Highway in northern New Hampshire. So so quit whining about the heat, Jason. You could be in northern <laughs> New Hampshire right here. Uh, what's on your mind today? Um. So me and my wife had talked about it a lot. I mean, like, you know, with the coronavirus going on and us being us, we didn't know too many governors before this, you know. So right. uh, I thought with the coronavirus, I mean, panic is honestly kind of doing a good thing at the same time because it's uh, pointing out these governors that had kind of been able to lay low, do their job without anyone knowing. And now it's pointing out these governors that I've never heard of who honestly <laughs> don't know how to run their state. So. Well, I think that's that's why it sort of goes back to what we were saying about big government earlier, Jason. I think you'd I think if you're going to tell people you can't go to work, you can't leave the house, you can't go to a restaurant, you can't go to a movie, uh, you'd have to be a lot better at running the world than these guys are demonstrating. And it's not just the governors. I mean, Congress too is completely useless when when there was that 45 million dollar in the first stimulus so-called uh for the kennedy center uh in washington and the president said well you know you got to do it because that's just the way it works in congress so they just have to do things like that and you just have to go along with it but that's basically all they've done everybody's gamed the system the ritz carlton has got its 59 million harvard and all these universities have got uh, millions of the Girl Scouts, because uh, they haven't been able to sell Girl Scout cookies, are looking to get in on the payroll protection program. The Girl Scouts aren't employees. They're not supposed to be on the um, uh, on the payroll. It's supposed to be a volunteer thing. Uh, and so what we're seeing is that uh, is that uh, we're supposed to change. We're supposed to change everything about our lives. We can't go to work. Uh, we can't uh, go to basic leisure activities like going to the beach or going to a movie. Uh, we have to change, yet the lousy, corrupt government doesn't change and still carries on with business as usual, Jason. That's the big pro- problem. We're expected to change. They never change. Well, so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, do we need the government or does the government need us, you know? 
Well, I think it's getting to that point because ba- basically we, we've done our part and millions and millions and millions of people still can't get through to their local unemployment office. Basically, the government closed down their business. They had profitable businesses. They, they made a nice living. You went and worked uh, as a barista or a waiter and now that's all gone. And uh, the government is uh, is still saying, oh, yeah, sorry, you 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 turned on a dime. You changed your life. But our lousy un- unemployment benefits office uh, still can't be gotten go through. They've demonstrated, Jason, uh, that the, 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 the basic problem with big government is that even if you thought it was a good idea, big government isn't up to it. They can't do it, Jason. Uh, in uh, in in the states or at the federal level either. It's a it's a pathetic spectacle. Do you agree, though, that, I mean, you know, this is bringing out some people that probably shouldn't be in the job that they're in right now? Oh, absolutely. And that's actually the madness of the situation, because when if we're going to have this division of people into essential and non-essential, so, uh, so, so Fred is essential because he gets to go and work in, in the New York State Department of Paperwork every day, but Joe is non-essential uh, because uh, he he goes and runs a gas station and nobody's coming by to buy gas anymore. If we're going to have these arbitrary uh, distinctions, then actually we should apply that at the government level. If you had to name one person in the country who's totally non-essential, it's Mayor de Blasio's wife, and yet he's put her on the council <laughs> to determine, to investigate uh, whether this virus is behaving in a racist and homophobic way or whatever the stupid thing is. So she's gonna, they're going to sue the virus uh, because it's racist and homophobic, if I understand the plan they've, they've got correctly. We're living in the madness, uh, the meltdown of government, the nanny state that can't nanny. Jason, thank you very much for your call in El Paso, uh, Texas. Uh, that's... <laughs> The nanny state. The left sold. This is what the new green deal. We're living the new green deal. We're living the new green deal. Yeah, America's anchorman is out. Happy lockdown Monday to you. Uh, Rush is scheduled to return on uh, Wednesday. Hump day. That's what we used to call it, but there ain't no hump day anymore. I think hump day comes toward the end of June. That's... uh, that's what Dr. Dr. Burks is uh, preparing us for, Dr. Fauci. They're now saying a lot of this stuff is going to have to continue uh, through the summer. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. I'm, I'm self-isolating. I'm self-quarantined. Uh, it's getting to me. It's lonely. It's depressing. I, I called up the local stripogram company, asked if they could send a girl around, but they said they weren't doing any. Um, except these new uh, Dr. Burke's uh, socially distancing scarfograms, uh, and they could suddenly send one of them around if I was uh, if I was interested in it. There is other news: Kim Jong Un has socially distanced himself uh, right out of the Politburo in Pyongyang. No one's seen him uh, in days, um, and uh, he is. Uh, thought to be uh, pushing up daisies, if they have any daisies to push up in North Korea. He he is rumored to be in a vegetative state, uh, and that's right, because, uh, in fact, he's in North Korea, which is a vegetative state. Um, uh, but uh, one of the problems was that he apparently... He, well, there's also a run on the... I don't quite get this. There's a run on the stores in 
Pyongyang. Uh, his rumored death has led to panic. Uh, has led to panic buying. It's the equivalent of the coronavirus. So just as uh, the coronaviruses are coming, led everyone to have panic buying on toilet roll. So Kim Jong Un has led to a run on toilet roll in uh, Pyongyang. Uh, and that's tough. I can't even imagine what panic buying is like in a Pyongyang supermarket uh, where every checkout line is for nine items or less. Uh, there's nothing in there anyway. Uh, my old uh, colleague, Dr. Anthony uh, Daniels, uh, did a terrific piece um, uh, about 25 years ago where he visited a supermarket in Pyongyang and he realized that it was all actually theater. There were pretend customers pretending to buy things in there. But apparently the pretend customers are now pretend panic buying uh, with rumors of Kim Jong-un's death. There is actually a corona aspect to this. It is said that he required a, a basic, a relatively simple stent insertion procedure. You remember uh, stents around the time of the uh, hang, hanging chads in Florida in 2000. Dick Cheney went in and had a big bunch of stents. So I, uh, for, for years and years, I got stents and chads confused. I was thinking of dangling stents, hanging stents. Uh, but it's a, a simple procedure in most countries. In Pyongyang, the operation supposedly went wrong because the doctor's hands were shaking so much while he was trying to insert a stent. And here's the corona connection. One of the big problems, you notice it now, Kim Jong-un is a big-time psycho state leader, so he makes the news. But all over the news, there have been these mysterious deaths in third-world hospitals of people who shouldn't be in third-world hospitals. Because in these dictator regimes, the first thing that happens when somebody gets something seriously wrong is they hop on a plane and they go to London or they go to the Mayo Clinic or they go to Switzerland. They don't go to the local hospital. And because all travel has been shut down, uh, now, basically, uh, the dictator and his pals are all having to be treated in the local hospitals with the rest of their benighted subjects, and it isn't going so well. The, the chief of staff to the current Nigerian strongman died the other day of COVID-19 because the poor guy had to go to the hospital in Lagos or wherever it was instead of getting on a plane to Switzerland. So it may be that, in fact, indirectly, COVID-19 is responsible uh, for for Kim Jong-un. Well, no, I don't know whether he can get on the special train uh, to to China, Mr. Mr. Snurdly. Uh, these things are all, it's, it's, it's all become a little more difficult. Uh, it's like Robert Mugabe. He died in a Singapore hospital. Uh, it, with, with Kim Jong-un, you're right, he would probably have gone to China. But with all this uh, COVID-19, it's not as easy to move around, is it? So he may be in, in, in a... Very, well, there may be. They sent a Chinese guy over there, uh, but he apparently got there too late. And so it was the guy with the shaking hands <laughs> hovering, with the stead shaking hands hovering over over poor old uh, Kim Jong-un's opened-up body. So we may have some death of Stalin-type scenario uh, going on in Kim Jong. Mainly the now they've all the all the guys in the line in the in the Kim line are dead now. All the fat guys. Kim Kim had his brother bumped off and all the rest of the things. So the the new heir maybe this uh, sister of his Kim Yo Jong 
Kim Yo-jong, who was at the Olympics in uh, in uh, in Korea a couple of years ago, where she sat next to the South Korean president and the liberals were all cooing over her anyway. And it looks like they'll be uh, cooing over her again already. In fact, I saw this tweet from a New York... Uh, I don't know whether she's any... Uh, her name's Molly Jong-Fast. And, and um, she appears a lot with George Conway, uh, Kellyanne Conway's husband, uh, when they're at all these anti-Trump cocktail parties. So she's part of the George Conway uh, Trump derangement set. And she's already tweeted, oh, you know, this is great. Uh, even North Korea is more progressive than us. They've got this nice female dictator, Kim Yo-jong, waiting in line. When are we Americans going to get ourselves a nice female dictator? Yeah, well, you had that shot in 2016 uh, and you managed to, to, to blow it. So uh, there is other non-corona news, including uh, the whereabouts of uh, Kim Jong-un, who, as I said, is socially distancing, uh, but he's doing it vertically. He's, uh, he's six feet under from uh, the rest of the Politburo there. Tyson Foods took a, out a full-page ad yesterday in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And so because nobody reads those things, nobody saw it. But it was an expensive full-page ad, and it said that the food supply chain is breaking because of the closure of food processing plants. Uh, and they're saying that farmers will be left without anywhere to sell their livestock and that millions of animals, chickens, pigs, and cattle, will be depopulated because of the closure of our processing facilities. I don't even know what that means. What does it mean, depopulated? Because before you'd just be putting them on the train going straight to the processing plant to uh, to get... Pre- yeah, what's that, Mr. Snurdly, about being depopulated? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they, they can't say killed. They can't say the chickens, pigs, and cattle will be killed because killing them is... What do you think a food processing plant does? That The food processing plant... The food processing plant is basically the ICU ventilator for the animal livestock population. That's where you go to die. The food processing uh, facility. It's it's uh, like a ventilator, but not as uh, expensive. Uh, anyway, <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It is the uh, <laughs> it is like Planned Parenthood, but they're saying they won't be able to plan it anymore, and that uh, so millions of chickens, pigs, and cattle who would have been uh, died in a satisfying way, knowing that under the organ donor program, they'd be donating all their best bits to your dinner table. Uh, now they're going to just be dying pointlessly. Uh, there's going to be, and actually the WHO, not that anyone believes a word they say, they also say there's going to be a world food shortage thing. So they're basically just uh, jacking up this crisis now. Uh, they've, uh, they figure they've exhausted the people have gotten used to the death toll. It wasn't quite the corona apocalypse that they'd been led to believe. But don't worry, uh, because there's going to be a food supply breakdown. So we're all going to be starving. Uh, millions and millions of people are going to die of starvation. Then after that, the plague of uh, corona positive locusts is going to be showing up. So there always will be uh, something, uh, something else. But at the main, but here's the core question. Are we, by which I mean regular people, not someone who's got a job at the New York State Bureau of Paperwork, are we just going to uh, be spectators in our own fate? That's, that's what is 
chafing about this. They're, they're basically, the experts are saying to people, look, there's two kinds of people, experts and you losers. And we are the experts and we get to decide what's best for you losers. And people have had enough of that because the experts have been wrong. These models, these, these ridiculous models uh, that we're supposed to believe again and again, uh, the, the models, for a start, half the models are peddled by the WHO, which is basically uh, China's uh, public relations firm. So I don't know why we pay for them. But the, basically, the models are even less accurate than me when I say on a Monday morning, oh, don't worry, uh, Rush will be back tomorrow. And then he's not back till, uh, till Friday. That's the kind of <laughs> that's basically your average pandemic model that these guys are shoveling out. And at some price, as I said, usually when I do that by Wednesday, I'm a laughing stock and reviled across the fruited plain. And that's actually what ought to be happening to some of these models. Uh, we're learning we can make crude deductions of the difference between New York and Los Angeles, urbanization, the concentration of people into cramped apartments as opposed to subdivisions in Los Angeles County, uh, San Fernando Valley and all that. Urbanization kills, mass transit kills, recyclable shopping kills, the Green New Deal kills. We can make those crude determinations. There are no experts in this. That's the problem. And I would like, if we're going to have Burks and Fauci on TV, I like the Scarf of the Night competition. I've won, you know, I won 30 bucks from my neighbor on which scarf she'd be wearing for tonight's press conference. Uh, So I'm happy with that. But there ought to be some serious questions, and we ought to know more than three months ago. Why? What have these guys been to? The most lavishly funded specialist disease uh, bureaucracy on the planet. What have they learned in the last three months? For God's sake, you've got us all under house arrest. Couldn't you or the you say to yourselves, we're the only guys allowed to go to work? Okay, fine. Tell us what you've been working at these last three months. Mark Stein for Rush, your call straight ahead. Let us go to Jack in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, the great, the great state of Georgia where you can get a haircut and a tat. It's the only place, uh, apparently, in the entire free world where you can get a haircut and a tat. Uh, buy one, get one free. That's, uh, that's my advice. Jack is in Atlanta. Great to have you with us on the show, Jack. How are you, uh, Mark? Uh, thanks a lot. I, uh, my uh, belief is on this uh, mask issue, that the uh, masks that are being recommended are virtually worthless unless they're N95 masks. The government yep. has pr- provided, along with the states, N95 masks to about 17 million uh, medical workers. And probably not that that's all the medical workers, not all of them need N95s. But anyhow, they, they've done that already, and they've spent a lot of money in doing it. Uh, I think for about half of that money, that, the N95 masks could be supplied to every man, woman, and child in the United States in sufficient quantities to get us over maybe a six-month time frame because each mask will last eight hours. And that's right. plenty to do shopping for, you know, a week or two at a time or a couple stores over a period of a couple of weeks because we don't need the frequency of masks. You don't need to throw them away after every every use like the, some of the medical uh, people do. And so I think that's being ignored entirely, and I think that's what's causing this disease to be spread in the big box stores and the grocery stores. 
Well, you'll, if you recall, the government's position initially was that masks were not necessary and masks were uh, did nothing to uh, affect the spread of this contagion one way or the other. Then they suddenly, subtly started changing this thing to say it might be necessary for us to all wear masks when we go out on the street in perpetuity, like they do in... Uh, many uh, Far East uh, Asian uh, societies. So, so the, the, as you say, a lot of masks are... So, so there's two issues with that. First, the government actually appeared to tell us a flat-out lie on the issue of masks. Right. Then, they, then they seem to be distinguishing between masks that the essential people get and, and lesser coverings that the rest of us have to put up with. So you'd like to know why they can't just convert, use the war powers uh, uh, that uh, that the president has to tell certain factories to start making these N95 masks uh, for the general population. That's that's what you'd like them to do. Right. It would require about double the capacity of what they're doing now. Yeah. And uh, I think the benefit of that would be enormous. Of course, in hindsight, it would have been really enormous. But Right, a little too late for that right now. But on the other hand, we looks like we have a several solid months, more than two, of uh, of needing the masks. And uh, you know, I was lucky to get a couple of them right at the beginning of this. I could I ordered five for a family of three. Okay, and, uh, I'm about at the end of my eight hours using those masks, and uh, I don't really have any other alternative anywhere to get the, the good stuff anymore. <laughs> no, you know, you make it actually. I saw a photograph uh, somewhere or other in the last couple of days of a. Uh, uh, it might have been in Spain, I think, of of people going door to door and actually delivering these proper protective masks to people. And again, it it comes back to this. We've now had a couple of months of this, in which uh, certain factories could have been converted to. To doing this uh, mask production. If you're taking such extraordinary powers that you're telling people they got to stay home. It was Portugal, that's right. Portugal, where uh, the officials are going door to door, handing out masks, these uh, these masks to people. We're being told, oh, just uh, take whatever you have. If you've got a, like a Deborah Burke's uh, Hermes scarf, just tie it around you. And, and most of these masks, they're doing. And again, it gets to this distinction. They're making actually a distinction potentially about human life, uh, that this essential worker gets to have a proper mask and you have to make do with what uh, you've got lying around. You can do that for two weeks. If you're asking people to live like this for six months, you, you can't do it. That's an excellent point, Jack. Again, where's the energy in the executive? This is, this is the thing. You, you, you take these powers at federal and state level the bargain is that you have to get off your flabby bureaucratic butt and do something for it, too. You have to be able... Uh, you can't just say, OK, your life is over. It came juddering to a halt on March the 17th or whatever it was, and you got a, your life is over and you just shelter in place till we decide you're free to do something else. Uh, the bargain is that you got to do something to you, flabby, useless, bureaucratic government. Mark Stein for us. More to come. Essential, non-essential, it's all very binary these days, isn't it? Uh, I'm, I'm basically a member of the non-essentially oriented community, but this show is different. This is the Rush Limbaugh Show, the number one essential outlet 
in the American media. Yes, America's anchorman is away, but do not fear, he will return. And uh, we've, we've, it's, it's been just marvelous. You know, we had a little period of time a couple of months ago when, uh, you know, I'm a guest host. I'm, uh, that's about as non-essential a job as exists in the United States. And uh, as a non-essential guest host, me and my fellow guest hosts, we're getting a little bit too much work. And it's been terrific these last uh, three weeks or so to just, here, Rush on a Monday, powering straight through till sign-off on Friday. He's not going to be able to do that this week, uh, but he is going to be here, uh, and he's scheduled to be back on, or scheduled, scheduled. I should make an effort as a non-essential guest host uh, to master the vernacular American pronunciation, and uh, he's going to be here Wednesday through Friday uh, with uh, authentic, full-strength, all-American, American as apple pie excellence in broadcasting. In the meantime, we're down to uh, quasi-sinister foreign guest hosts, not quite American, uh, American as apple pie a la mode, sort of mostly American, but with a slathering of effete foreign topping on it uh, for uh, a couple of uh, days. A couple of, uh, Oh, Mr. Snadley's rubbing it in now. He's he's he, he's he's asking me whether the Mark Stein cruise is we're scheduled scheduled uh, to sail from Rome. If you don't know anything about Rome, it's Corona Central. Uh, but we are nevertheless scheduled to depart from Rome uh, for the Mark Stein cruise in November, and I'm still. I got. We're not going to Ecuador, and we're steering clear of the Venezuelan Navy, because, as you know, the Venezuelan Navy fire on cruise ships and then ram the cruise ship, and the Venezuelan Navy ship sinks. So we're planning somewhere. Look, there's got to be uh, in Churchillian terms. This is, this is not the beginning of the end, but but it may not perhaps be the beginning of the end of the beginning or whatever it was he said uh there's got to be an end to this sometime because at a certain at a certain point unless you're going to invite global revolution and so at, at some point i would like in november i would like to be running our cruise you can go to Barkside. oh it's october sorry i've got it wrong even october and we might actually defy dr deborah burke's and and sail anyway, the com. And I know a socially distancing cruise. If your idea of going on a cruise is that you're doing the mambo at two in the morning in the karaoke bar uh, with uh, with some hot chicky who's uh, got a, uh, a an inside no no ocean view stateroom and you're like uh, trying to persuade her to canoodle with you. I know it's not the place for social distancing. Actually, oddly enough, there, there's there, what's interesting to me, too, is it's not just cruise ships, but actual naval vessels that have, have been terrible for this uh, uh, f- for this coronavirus, too. The, you, as you know, we've heard it with the Theodore Roosevelt. The French had it with their big carrier, the Charles de Gaulle. It had to limp back into port because they'd all come down. But at some point, this has to end. We're hoping it ends with October uh, on the Mark Stein Cruise, and you can go to MarkSteinCruise.com, and you can say, uh, you can say this isn't swi- this is switching the light bulb on. Okay, it's a Georgia hair salon, it's a tattoo parlor. Nobody said said you could go for your cruise. 
eventually, when people talk about the new normal, that the way we used to live our lives is never coming back, that's what the left is hinting at, and that's what Fauci hints at when he says we're never going to shake hands again. Um, I didn't really sign on for the new normal. I was told, you know, we just had to stay inside for a couple of weeks till we flattened the curve. And now you're telling me that normality as we knew it is never going to resume. I'd like, just like to see some underlying science on that, if you don't mind. Yeah, 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 no, no. There's all kind of, no more, no more uh, beef and barbecue and... Uh, there's all, there's all, there's going to be all kinds of changes to every aspect of life. And I would just like to have that based on science. The left keeps saying, follow the science, follow the science. I don't actually hear a lot of science uh, from Fauci and Bucks. And I should say, I said there wasn't going to be a White House press conference today. And that's true for the coronavirus task force. But President Trump is due to brief the nation... At 5 p.m. Eastern uh, today, that is 2 p.m. Pacific, and uh, it's something in between in the central and mountain zones. At 5 p.m. Eastern today, President Trump is apparently going to brief the nation. By which wording, I take it that means he's not going to be swatting idiotic gotcha questions back and forth with Brian Stelter and all the other nitwits. And I'll be interested to hear what he has to say. I'll just put this out there. And if you're a, if you're a big Trump MAGA guy, don't go on at me, because I was the guy who said three weeks after he came down that escalator uh, that this guy actually, unlike uh, Jeb and all the other losers, this guy actually had a message. And he was, I said, with Alan Combs on his radio show in September 2015, when all the smart guys like Bill Crystal were saying, uh, this is just a bubble uh, when we get to Iowa and New Hampshire, Trump is gonna, isn't going to win a single delegate. I was the one who said he would win the nomination to Alan Combs, September 2015, and that he would win um, the uh, and that he could win the uh, election too. So I'm, I'm I got a pretty good record on that. My worry here is that uh, this actually is this is the ought to be the perfect issue for Trump because it's what he ran on. That the that the that the the post that that essentially the bargain that was made a third of a century ago between between uh, American business and China and between a huge swath of the Republican Party and the Chinese Politburo was bad for us. As I said in the first hour of this show, uh, China's not getting more like us; we're getting more like China. So that now China, which supplied us with defective medical equipment uh, in the wake of this thing, they sent us masks that didn't work and ventilators that didn't work and test kits that didn't work. Uh, They're now sending us drones, uh, which is to surveil you, to see if you're in a state in lockdown and you're inappropriately venturing out into your front garden. They're going to get you with a Chinese Drone, And you can bet that unlike their test kits and unlike their ventilators and unlike their masks, the drone does work because surveillance they're world leaders in. China kills more people than everybody else on the planet combined every year. And yet we've made them the number one global economic power. We're out of our minds. This is suicide by the transfer of our fates into the hands of the Chinese Politburo. 
Uh, and so we didn't know anything. We didn't know all the aspirin was made in China until this thing came along. Well, we're, we're, we think we're living in the land of liberty. In fact, it's like a cage at the Central Park Zoo of liberty. It's a big cage, and we get to run around in the uh, These Colors Don't Run t-shirts and the Don't Tread on Me t-shirts, all of which are made in China. And then something like this happens, and China says... Uh, actually, you want to investigate us, European Union and Australia and United States. You really want to investigate us for what we do. You better think about uh, you think better think about that a lot more carefully, or that diabetes medicine you depend on uh, isn't going to be coming through next month. Uh, this was madness. This was m- this is insanity. And if we want to do this, if you want to talk about a new normal, the new normal should be that we we return manufacturing. When they talk about the the jobs Americans won't do that George W. Bush said, that should never have become a phrase. That should never because because outsourcing all the work to China while you go to college and run up uh, a six figure sum in college debt uh, doing uh, transgender studies. That ain't a viable model for societal survival. And you're all going to die if that's the plan, if that's all you got going. And so I would like this is the Trumpian theme. He ran on China. I don't entirely rule out this whole business, actually, when they made the decision not to let the world know about this, and in particular to let people in Wuhan get on flights to northern Italy and flights to Madrid and flights to Paris and flights to New York City. I don't entirely, uh, I don't entirely rule out their decision to lie uh, consciously as being a response to the damage that was being inflicted on them uh, by the uh, by the Trump trade uh, negotiations. So what? So this is a classic Trumpian theme. It's about borders, uh, about immigration, about knowing who's coming into your country. It's about trade deals. It's about manufacturing. It's about uh, leading lives of, uh, of of value and human dignity in all kinds of closed, abandoned mill towns. Uh, across parts of my state and parts of my neighboring states and all across this country. Uh, and he should give out a big speech on Trumpian, th- Trumpian themes about what the new normal's going to be. The new normal doesn't mean that we can never go to a beach party again. The new normal shouldn't mean that we can never go uh, to a, a, a restaurant again. The, the new normal shouldn't mean that we can never go to a movie house again. The new normal should mean that we bring manufacturing home, we bring medical, we bring medicines home, we have serious border control. The wall is part of a Trumpian theme. This virus has to be walked into your country, and open borders are a great facilitator of that. This is Trump, Trump, Trump. This virus is Trump 101, and he should just lay it out in a big speech. And uh, I say this humbly. I'm not someone who has his private line like uh, Rush does or, 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 uh, or all the rest of it. But this ought to be this, – this virus exemplifies the platform that Trump ran on in 2015. He should own it. And people should, say, should see that the things he was saying five years ago, uh, this is what it's come to. We, we, the, we, we outsourced the world's manufacturing to China. And now they're threatening to withhold drugs we need, and they've given us this, this virus. You've got you to run with this thing. You gotta, it's fun to 
you know, just be like Punch and Judy and, and whack Brian Stelter with your truncheon over the head every night, that's fine. But there's a big Trumpian platform uh, for this hideous behavior of a totalitarian dictatorship. We enabled a dictatorship to become the world's number one economic power. They're evil. Their government is evil. There shouldn't be a Wuhan Institute of Virology, and the United States government and the Canadian government shouldn't be giving money to it. It's Trumpian themes, Trumpian themes. That's what he should be doing. That's what I would be doing if I were in his shoes at 5 p.m. tonight. Mark Stein for Rush, your calls straight ahead. Mark Stein in for Rush. Uh, let us go to Barbara in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Barbara, you're live on America's number one radio show. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I watched an interview with you with oh. uh, Peter uh, Robinson, Uncommon Knowledge. Oh, yeah, that's like 10 years ago I did that interview. Did it hold up pretty good? It did, yes. I'm a fan of yours uh, for a long time. Love your books. I have one, but I can't tell you which one. I'm sorry, but, uh, yeah. (laughs) That's that's okay. They all blow. When you've read one, you've read them all. There's a lot of writers like that. I wouldn't worry about it. (laughs) I don't mean that at all. I mean, I love your message. I hope you keep ranting about it, please. This is Trumpism to the hilt. We have to keep that message going. Absolutely. But a couple of questions. Um, one, you know, Sleepy Joe, let's just talk about, I mean, I'm sorry, I want to ask you your opinion. Um, let's just talk about, I think, the plan is, yeah, let him get elected, but who's number two and number three that are actually going to do the evil? He'll, he'll go away once he's elected. Who, who's well, that going to be? And then, well, well, I, I want you to talk about the pandemic agency the national agency that's supposed to protect us from pandemic what have right. they done no that's uh, that's true bob your first question is is very interesting i think i said here a, a few weeks back that what's going to happen is if you're uh if if you are serve for two years and then decide to quit and the vice president steps in. That vice president, if it's uh, if if he serves under two terms, uh, under two years of your term, gets to run for another two full terms. So in other words, whoever is uh, Joe Biden's running mate, let's say it's this crazy governor in Michigan who's mm-hmm. doing herself a lot of favors with the Democrats mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Uh, then somewhere around January the twenty seventh, twenty twenty three. Joe Biden will say that on medical advice, he's stepping down and Governor Whitmer will be stepping in. And she would then be eligible to be president basically for 10 years. That's that's the way it is. And that's what we're looking at someone who's deteriorated. This this is why Joe Biden is uh, actually quite interesting, because if this were a normal campaign season, he would he would never be able to withstand uh, a, a, a a normal campaign season up against Trump, even if they never did any debates. In debates, Joe Biden can learn a couple of lines. So in the first 20 minutes of the debate, he seems fairly together. Then as it goes on for 40 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, he starts to lose it. He couldn't do what Trump does every night, which is stand up and uh, and bat back a lot of questions on all kinds of actually quite technical issues. He couldn't do that. He couldn't do that uh, on on this virus. Uh, if he were going around now campaigning the way he was doing in Iowa and New Hampshire when he made a fool of himself 
when he gets asked a question that he can't answer by some 120-pound co-ed, uh, he, he threatens to take her outside and give her the whooping of her life. I mean, this guy is just, like, hopeless. So actually having him, it's like John Kerry. John Kerry, uh, he had some ankling injury or something uh, during the 2004 campaign, so he was laid up for two weeks, and his numbers went up. If he could just have broken his ankle for the entire campaign, he'd have been elected in a landslide, and that's the way it is with with Joe Biden. This is what they're trying to do. He's deteriorating month on month, and the only reason he's still in the game is because there is no campaign. New York just cancelled its primary. They said they they actually did what they're accusing Trump of wanting to do. They've cancelled the election. <laughs> so, yeah, right. so, so as as to uh, what was the second question again? You asked me a second question. What was that? Well, I, as I understood, we we did have a national agency to protect us against pandemics, and I thought last year President Trump tried to beat that up and you know tr- find out more about it. And what has yeah. happened? They haven't done a damn thing to prepare us for a pandemic. No, no, because they got into all the social justice things. So instead of focusing on diseases and viruses, uh, they started getting into racism and social justice and uh, uh, whether you've got uh, enough uh, transgendered epidemiologists around. And that's one reason. It's the Mrs. Thatcher line. Mrs. Mrs. Thatcher's great insight was you should never create a government department to deal with a problem because then you'll never be rid of the problem. And so if you create something that has as specific a mission as this to deal with diseases uh, and contagions, then they end up spending money on everything but diseases and contagions. And in some ways, you'd be better off like the, 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 the stuff they're doing in France or, or actually let's set aside France, but Germany, which has come out of this terrifically so far. Yeah. That's actually right. mostly state level advisors who are from the private sector. And I think uh, one of the lessons of this is actually whatever you think about Trump, uh, the the big professional full-time 24-7 money-no-object alphabet soup agencies have been a big stinking flop on this. And uh, and when the time comes, that, that method of approaching global contagion actually should be seriously uh, rethought. Thank you. Thank you very much for your call, Barbara. We have to go. And uh, the, the, the last uh, commercial breaks in the United States are coming up. But thank you for that call. They were two interesting questions. Biden is benefiting from being under house arrest in his basement. Yeah, honoured to be here. Always honoured to be here. It's a a great thrill for me. Uh, Way back when uh, I got off the boat at Ellis Island, don't think you can do that anymore, and uh, hardly had I set foot in the Lower East Side of New York uh, then Mr. Snurdly called and said, how would you like to guest host uh, for Rush? And uh, it's a fantastic privilege and honor uh, for a uh, sinister foreigner to be guest hosting America's number one radio show. And I thank Rush and I thank Mr. Snurdly and I thank Mike, who's keeping track of things. In uh, He's the only man working in midtown Manhattan right now. And uh, God bless him. He, uh, he's there every day uh, making sure that the absolutely essential Rush Limbaugh show gets out across the Fruited Plain and all the way over to Hawaii and Guam and beyond. And uh, I thank him. Uh, I thank him for that. There is there's terrible stories emerging from this lockdown because it's tough. It's one thing if you're locked down in 
Downton Abbey. It's another thing if you're locked down in a uh, in a studio apartment uh, in a big city and you you got basically a window box uh, and opening the window occasionally is the only chance of uh, fresh air. It's not easy. And there have been reports about, you know, a lot big increase in domestic tensions. You know, the secret of a happy marriage often is to spend you know, maybe two hours a week with your loved ones. And when suddenly you're doing it 24-7, things can get a little tense and fractious. Uh, One way to ease the tension is to take out a subscription at the Limbaugh letter. And then you've always got a way of easing the tension by saying, well, darling, you may have a point, but I'm just going down to my man cave to read the Limbaugh letter for a couple of hours, uh, and then we'll have a candlelit dinner. It It can ease the way your domestic environment is. The Limbaugh letter, uh, I mentioned earlier that America's newspapers, the coronavirus has been the straw that finally broke the dying camel's back, and a lot of them are going out of business all over the country. But the Limbaugh letter will keep going, and it's indispensable at a time like this, not just because it's full of great content. You get Rush's insights into things. You get uh, what I love is like all the this... Uh, all these small telling stories, spirits of the age, as I call them, uh, that uh, Rush and Mr. Snurdly come up with and <laughs> are like inconsequential things that basically tell you about the future uh, that they're, pla- they're planning for us. There's a great picture at the moment uh, on, the, I believe this is the April issue of Rush pulling the donkey head off a Democrat and there's Karl Marx underneath there. And we are actually in that stage. We are. That's actually what they're planning for us. We've suddenly accepted over the next few weeks that the state has the right uh, to tell us for how long, if any time at all, we can leave our houses. It is a remarkable thing. Um, but they've, they've got all these uh, great, great stories. Uh, the uh, big sister is listening uh, and the, again, this this is highly relevant to the world we're living under now, where these smart devices that in Australia, they've got an app that they want everyone to download that will tell you whether you've all you've come into anyone who contact with anyone who is the coronavirus. What else do you think it's going to be telling them that that app? Uh, then we've got these uh, the, the the flying shame, the groups like Greenpeace and Extinction Rebellion who want to guilt you into staying off planes permanently. Uh, uh, you've got all these terrific, stupid quotes uh, from uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, after Jerry Nadler proposed that Democrats return to their districts to be safer from coronavirus, Nancy Pelosi... <laughs> said, we are the captain of the ship. We are the last to leave, Uh, which is pretty much telling you that Nancy Pelosi's plan for America's ship estate is that it's going to sink. It's it's full of great stuff. There's like what I love about it is there's like these little 70 word items that are just terrific. I love reading the Limbaugh letter and you will like it, too. And as I said, intense times, if you're spending a, a bit too much time with your loved ones, than you would under ideal circumstances. It's great just to be able to go down to the man cave, go down to the rec room. It's not just for men either. You can go to your quilting parlor and, uh, forgive the stereotype, but go to your quilting parlor and and read the Limbaugh letter. It's full of great stuff. And the way to get it is uh, just to go to rushlimbaugh.com and take out a subscription to the Limbaugh letter. I want to get to a couple of smaller stories 
uh, as it were. They're not really smaller stories, but they are very telling. I made a huge mistake here three weeks ago. I don't often apologize for anything I said, but three weeks ago I said one of the great things about this virus is that suddenly all the usual rubbish had gone away, all the identity politics rubbish, because when you're up against a real crisis, then all the nonsense goes away. So we don't worry about whether this or that is racist or Islamophobic or transphobic. Unfortunately, I was a complete idiot because even when you've got a virus that is going to kill you, all the rubbish identity politics, this goes back to what I was saying at the top of the show, do we even still have a survival instinct? Uh, Because there's not a lot of evidence for it. A Michigan state senator apologizes for wearing a face mask that looks like a Confederate flag. Uh, State Senator Dale Zorn, a Republican of Ida, which is in Michigan, wore the face mask during a Senate vote. Uh, His defense was that he thought it was more like the Kentucky or Tennessee flag, uh, but everyone seems to think it's just your basic Confederate flag. Uh, His wife made the mask and uh, said it was meant to be like the Kentucky or Tennessee flag, (laughs) but uh, everyone else thinks it's the Confederate flag. So, you're having this is crazy. We've got this like this COVID thing stalking Detroit. Detroit's been quite badly hit by it. Detroit's got a lot of corpses piling up in the mortuaries, and uh, and and so uh, we're having to hold votes in which people have to wear masks to prevent infection. And what is the big story on WLNS TV Channel Six? It's that the Michigan uh, Senator Dale Zorn, Republican of Ida, uh, his face mask apparently looks to be like a Confederate flag. It was not a Confederate. This is a good example of how Republicans never <laughs> should, wait, should never bother apologizing. It was not a Confederate flag, he said. I think, though, even if it was a Confederate flag, you know, we should be talking about teaching our national history in schools. Schools are closed right now. There's no schools. I was listening to Rush talking about this the other way. The schools, as he always calls them, are closed. And nobody minds because they don't teach anything in there. You could close them for K-12 and uh, for for the 13 years of that lousy education system, people would, would pick up... Uh, enough uh, basic knowledge just from Googling here and Googling there uh, and uh, and this and that. There's nothing that's taught in there. And the idea that they would be te- talking about teaching our national history in schools, that's the one thing they never talk about, not in terms of a great heroic national narrative. They only ever talk about it as uh, parts, uh, as a tale of uh, racism uh, and bigotry and all the rest of it. So even if you accepted that they ever taught anything in schools, the idea that you wearing a Confederate flag for a Senate vote is going is to teach anything about anything in school. You shouldn't even bother with this. Just You should just say it's like, the, it's like uh, Dr. Burke said, I think, yesterday when she was asked about uh, what do you think about chugging uh, a couple of pints of Drano every day uh, as a way to cure up the coronavirus. And she said somewhat politely that she didn't think that was a topic of conversation she'd expected to respond to. Uh, So if you ask a question about your face mask, this is what I can't stand. 
The American media are dying. They're worthless garbage newspapers, the dullest newspapers in the English-speaking world. I would rather read Dawn in Pakistan, which is at least a laugh a minute compared to the New York Times or the Washington Post. They're all dying because they think that when you've got a global pandemic, when you've got the global economy totally locked down except for the Chinese economy, that you sh- what you should be talking about is whether the guy wearing a face mask for a Senate vote is wearing a Confederate flag. Who cares? Who cares? If you're talking about this, you're doing it wrong. This story is in the Detroit Free Press, and that's why there isn't going to be any more Detroit Free Press, because of worthless stories like this. Uh, Mark Stein in for Rush. We'll take your call straight ahead. Uh, just one thing I want to go Back to quickly, I mentioned in the first hour, but it's actually the essence of this uh, virus is that it's super spread clusters that are devastating, as in New York, as in New Orleans, where it was spread largely by something like Mardi Gras. New Orleans is a party town and it looks like parties uh, in general, whooping and a hollering are a good a good way to spread this. But in non-party uh, environs, then you get something like the South Dakota meat factory and things here. But actually, what's interesting is how the super spread clusters remain relatively few in number. Uh, that's true in the United States. Uh, it's been true to a slightly uh, murkier extent in other major countries too. And there's been absolutely no super spreader cultures in lots of places where you'd expect it to be, where you expect this disease to be spread by the favelas of Latin America or the great coastal megalopolis of West Africa or the teeming slums of Bombay and Calcutta. So I return to this, that if actually China had wanted it to design a virus that impacted mainly its uh, leading geopolitical rivals, what would it have done differently? It's an interesting question to me. Let us go to, we had uh, Barbara from, I think it was Santa Mike in California. Let's go to Mike in Santa Barbara uh, and uh, and see how that goes. Mike, you're on America's number one radio show. Great to have you with us. Hello, Mark, and thank you for taking my call. Um, what I wanted to, to say was I wish that all these people who are falling all over themselves to thank the first responders would take some minutes to thank the real, true heroes of the situation, which is all those people who gave up their jobs, their paycheck, their livelihood, with no guarantee of getting it back, in order to make this mitigation work. Yeah. Those are the real, true heroes of this situation. And they're not getting a fat paycheck to do anything. They're getting nothing, and wondering if they're going to be eating next week. No, you're, yeah, you're right, Mike. I, just on the first part, I don't like the fetishization about healthcare workers and all the rest of it, and these sort of socially enforced, uh, where you have to have this clapping and singing for them outside the window every night in New York and London. I'm not, a, I'm not into that. I just think it's faintly creepy. Uh, it, and it does get very close to state worship. But you're right. It's the private sector that's taking It's all the people, people who live paycheck to paycheck, people whose savings account have 600 bucks in it that was exhausted a month ago. And they're, they're the ones who have made the huge sacrifice here 
uh, for 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 advice that is not scientifically based, uh, and in fact has not actually been borne out by what happens, and it's, and that's why you can't do it. You can't do it for six months. You can do it for two weeks. If you try to do it for six months, you're going to be inviting revolution. Because basically nothing has been changed in the 350 years since the Great Plague of London in 1665. Everything we're doing then, uh, we're doing now. The social distancing, the wearing masks, uh, the disinfecting of money and other items that uh, well, they would do. They would, everything is exactly the same. And But the difference is the state let citizens make their own decisions on that three and a half uh, centuries ago, and now we're actually being ordered to do it, which is a slightly different thing, Mike. Well, they're still the heroes. They're yep. still the heroes for giving all that up to to somehow make it work. How do you think, how do you think we get out of this, Mike? In other words, how well, long do you think thing, these the people are going to put up with it before well, I, they, actually, I, they, they actually decide they're just going to get on with their lives? Well, I think one way to do it would be to stop all those people who are in the government, like Fauci and the rest of them who are making decisions, stop their paychecks and let them see how it is when they're trying to make a decision as to how soon things can come back. I think that would be the first order of business. Absolutely, and that's when it will change. It was interesting to me, 40% of the staff at the Mayo Clinic have been furloughed because now with the coronavirus, nobody's going to going to hospitals for, you know, a broken leg or a hernia or anything else. And so hospitals are laying off staff. Universities are laying off staff. Government bureaucracies, once they start laying off staff, then uh, then when when all the elites start hurting in the way that the guys who own the Main Street businesses do, uh, then you might might see some change on this. Thank you, thank you for your call, Mike. I go, I go back to this was Plan A, Plan A, and it, it when you're being overwhelmed suddenly, like Northern Italy was, you go, oh God, we got to make emergency things. Once it's been going on for two weeks, a month, two months, then they start saying you got to keep this going through the summer. We're cancelling events in the autumn. Uh, there'll be another wave next winter. You've got to have a plan B, and the plan B has to be rooted basically in the behaviors, uh, the behaviors that mitigate, uh, but that the citizens can actually reach their own conclusions about. Where's the plan B? Uh, where's the plan B? Mark Stein uh, for Rush will close it out in just a moment. Hey, Mark Stein in Farush. Just wanted to update you on uh, Kim Jong-un. According to the Daily Mail, he may have been injured during a missile test. You know how it goes when Kim Jong-un is uh, testing his nukes? He aims for Tokyo or he aims for Guam, and instead it just clears the perimeter fence and takes out a 1986 Toyota Corolla in the Taco Bell parking lot across the street from the presidential palace. And he says, oh, well, better luck next time. Uh, it, it's, it appears, according to this defector, it appears that it has gone worse this time. He was there in the reviewing stand uh, to watch this missile uh, take off and uh, afflict his enemies. And instead, it just wobbled 15 feet in the air and then went down and hit the presidential reviewing stand. So Kim Jong-un is in a bad state. He's, pro- he's been pronounced 
He's been pronounced uh, brain dead uh, after this guy who was trying to operate on him and his hands were shaking too much. <laughs> you gotta, you don't want to be the doctor who gets the call to operate on Kim Jong-un. So he's been pronounced brain dead. That's, uh, that's the good news because it does mean that he's uh, qualified to write Nancy Pelosi's speeches now. Uh, so we're going to uh, wait. We're going to track all that and, uh, and keep an eye on that. Uh, the coronavirus in the course of the, just in the course of the show crossed the, the 3 million cases, confirmed cases worldwide, for whatever that's worth. It's a meaningless statistic. Uh, and uh, we don't really know anything about that. Uh, this is an interesting story from USA Today. One in three death certificates were wrong before the coronavirus. It's about to get even worse. This has been a great pleasure for me sitting in for Rush. Rush is going to be back on Wednesday. I'll see you tomorrow. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to the Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country, heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. He sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber, the complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, and he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave Major Turnbull a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's severely injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wendt. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.